0: Our first scripture reading is from Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. And from Hebrews Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God.
1: Friends, once again, my planning a year out has left me preaching on a topic that I'd probably rather not preach on while all of us are in relative isolation in quarantine, because this morning we are planning to end our series on 10 basic Christian practices that we should all be practicing in our daily or weekly or just regular lives of faith. And we're gonna end it talking about fellowship. And when I put this on paper, Uh, literally a year ago in nowhere in my mind that I think a virus would sweep across the world that would lead to a pandemic that would kill literally millions or hundreds of thousands in in the world so far and that would leave us in basically relative isolation within our homes trying to stay away from public contact or close contact indoors with one another I, I didn't even have a conception of what that could mean for us or that it could even possibly happen. I didn't think in any way and nor was I trained in seminary to lead a congregation through a time of peril, through a time of panic, through a time like these days. I don't think any of us were prepared for that. If you were prepared for that, honk your horn. Okay, good. I didn't hear any honks. <laughs> that means that you all are in the same boat that I am in. That this is a new circumstance, a weird world that we live in. A combination of the fact that we are so global and that this kind of thing can happen when in the past it wasn't as nearly easily uh, capable of happening and also a combination of the fact that we have means of being able to isolate. In years past when there were pandemics or when there were viruses or things, there wasn't really a capability of moving various businesses and and methods of government and, and the economy online. There was not a way for church to meet really in cars in front of their sanctuary or on YouTube. And so this is kind of a unique time In human history where we have these conglomerates of events that have left us in the situation and it has made all of us feel a little bit out of control it has made us feel like we don't have control over our own lives and that we don't know what's gonna happen next because there's so many questions and so many of us are stammering in some way or another to try to find some way to hold on to control in our own lives And that's natural, and that's perfectly fine. But I want to encourage us today as we look at fellowship for us to recognize that for us as Christians to be in fellowship with one another, that it doesn't require us to be in contact with one another physically. That because of the world set the way it is today, we have tools available to us to continue In fellowship as the church in ways that we never had in the past. And so what a blessing God has given to us in these different technological tools that allow us to be in fellowship. Now, many of you are already thinking and you're already pressing in your mind against me, but Chris, Zoom isn't like being in front of people. But Chris, phone calls aren't the same thing as sitting together. I agree with you. I'm not gonna argue with you there. I agree with you. I would much rather be in the presence of somebody else in fellowship together, being able to see their face, hear their tone, read body language. These are all the things we as human beings and social creatures were designed to do in our socialization with one another. But notice what I said, it's not necessary in this time that we get together in, for us to fellowship. We can still fellowship in this context. It might not be the best possible scenario. But how many of you in your lives in any situation have ever had the best possible scenario? If you have lived your whole life in the best possible scenario, honk right now. Notice I'm giving questions in the, in the, the way that I was making sure that no one's honking because I don't want to drive our neighbors crazy. <laughs> Our lives are filled with with the less-than-ideal. It's a part of living in this broken and sinful world. We are used to adapting to the less-than-ideal. And so we've been dealt a hand that really isn't great. We've been dealt a hand that has made us so that we are a little bit more distant from each other, and we're having to learn a new way to fellowship as a church, but we can still do that. Let's look at what fellowship is first. If we look at our two passages today, the first thing I want to point out is in the psalm that we read, God gives an encouragement that the unity of his people is what brings him joy. The unity of of his people when the brothers and sisters of the people of israel came together when that psalm was written in unity that it was like a blessing to the lord it was like an anointing that was oil running over the head of abraham and dripping down his beard because his descendants were getting along now Unity is something that is still super important in the Christian faith. In the Gospel of John, Jesus regularly points to unity, not only as an imperative for his people, but also as probably the most singular important thing in witnessing to the world about the truth of what he came and did when he lived his life for us, died for us on the cross, and then resurrected to give us new life. That unity together as the people of Christ, sharing the mind of Christ, is what allows us to show the world that there's something different in living in this relationship with this God who came to earth to redeem us and make us his. And so the world then sees that and says, wow, that community looks different than all the other communities I'm a part of. They seem to have a unity and a deference and a forgiveness and a grace and a mercy and a love and a generousness towards each other that I don't see other places. And then they're attracted to the people of Christ. And in fact, there's one secular historian that wrote a book most recently. One of our church members gave it to me to read. I think it's called The Story of uh, Christianity in the Early Days or something like that. If you want to know what it is, uh, ask me later. I can get the title. But also, Bert Foster has the book, so borrow it from him. He's the one who lent it to me. And it was it's a sociologist who looked into why Christianity flourished in the early days of the faith. And his secular opinion as he looked at it was that Christians took care of each other better than anyone else in the Roman Empire. And so as outsiders saw Christians and how they acted towards each other and how they cared for the poor and how they cared for the sick and how they encouraged one another and how those of different classes and caste systems were able to come together in equality and consider each other equal before the cross of Jesus, that others saw this and wanted to be a part of it because there was a certain amount of security in that kind of unity that was shown in the church. Friends, is anything I'm talking about not possible during these days of quarantine? No. Everything I'm talking about is completely possible for us to still accomplish in these days when we are not able to gather together closely in physical contact with one another. We can still be unified. We can still love one another with grace and mercy and forgiveness. We can still be bonded together in the Holy Spirit even in these days when we aren't meeting in our sanctuary. And so as God calls the people of his church to come together in fellowship and what he tells us is pleasing to him in that fellowship, it does not require us to be in a building together on Sunday mornings. It does require for us to show more deference to each other, to show more forgiveness to each other, to show more grace and mercy to each other. It does require for us to show generosity and love and support for one another in these days. And we can do that. our homes. And we'll talk a little bit in a few minutes about that. Now, the second thing I want to talk about is something I think we get wrong with fellowship often. When we talk about fellowship in the church, we often just mean what? Getting together, right? Like, "Ah, as long as we're just going to have a lunch together, that's fellowship. And that could be fellowship. Don't get me wrong. But there's something significant in our Hebrews passage for today that tells us what fellowship is bent towards. Notice in the Hebrews passage, it talks about what kind of people we are under the cleansing work of Jesus Christ. And then it says, do not neglect to meet together. Now, I want to address that. In those days, they didn't have YouTube and they didn't have phones and they didn't have Zoom or the internet. And so the only way to be in actual communication and contact with one another was to be physically present. So when that passage says, do not neglect to meet with one another, the principle that applies can still be applied to this world of digital communications and distant communications. And so we can still not neglect being with one another. But what is the purpose of that gathering together? What is the purpose of us being in fellowship with one another? To spur each other on. To encourage one another to growth in our faith and to acting towards the world in good works. Not just to sit around and shoot the breeze as good as that might also be, but to actually encourage one another and to pray with one another and to help each other grow closer to this God that we worship in our relationship with one another. And so I know in the past, as we have been going through this, I've encouraged you to call and reach out to other uh, people within the church. If somebody comes to mind, just call them, pray with them. Notice specifically When I talk about this, I'm not just saying call and ask how they're doing and have a a conversation that's just good. Have a spiritually filled conversation. Have a conversation that talks about what you see God doing despite COVID-19. Have a conversation that that is filled with encouragement and hope and lifts the other one up into the presence of Christ. Have a conversation that asks what their needs are and how you might be able to serve them. Have a conversation that asks what their prayer concerns are and then pray for them on the phone. Or you can gather together through Zoom and do the same thing. You know, on Wednesday nights, we've kind of just been hanging out. We've kind of just been been you know fellowshipping together in the way that I'm talking about maybe we should spend less time fellowshipping together, just shooting the breeze and just talking about stuff but that Wednesday night program or the Wednesday night zoom for two hours from seven to nine really was for trying to keep us in contact together and we originally had 30 or 40 people every week and then it dropped down to like 20 then it dropped down to like 10 now it's dropped down to like three or four and I really don't want to give it up because I want there to be the opportunity for someone to come on and for someone to receive encouragement for their brothers and sisters if they need it. And so I want to redouble down on that. And I want to say that we're here from seven to nine on Wednesday night at, on that Zoom call. And I'll send the link out again because Zoom has changed some things. So this last week, I know some people weren't able to get on. So I've kind of changed the settings on that Zoom meeting and I'll send the link out again tomorrow to everyone so that we rehab that link and there's a, there's a new password that you have to put in if you don't have the link itself or if you're calling in. But anyway, that'll be in the instructions in the email. But I encourage you, come on there. And I'm gonna make that time more a time for us to care for one another and lift each other up in Jesus during these days so that we can encourage one another, so that we can build each other up in the faith, and that we can begin to unify in the the Holy Spirit in a way that the Spirit will spur us on to the work he is calling us to, even as we are in the midst of this pandemic and this quarantine. So there are things you can do. First, as you think about people, pray for them. Now, I'm as guilty of this as anybody, But I often say I'm going to pray for something or for somebody. And I really, really, really try to keep those prayers in my mind. I have multiple different lists of prayers for our church. And I try to go through those and I try to pray for them. But oftentimes life is just busy. And life is just what it is. And so sometimes we forget to do that. But I earnestly encourage you to not just say you're going to pray for somebody. If they're asking you for prayer, pray for them right there so that at least you've prayed for them once in person as you've talked to them and then try to keep it in your mind to pray for them more. That's one thing you can do. Number two, call people in the church. Now we have the elders and the deacons split up with some of our more vulnerable church members, some of the people who aren't able to get on technology and connect and they're calling around to those folks regularly, a list of 48 people uh, and trying to check in on them and trying to pray for them and trying to show care and concern for them. But you could do the same thing. Start going through your church directory. Many of you have, well, let's do another honk. How many of you have a church directory? All right, M- most of you. <laughs> uh, so go through your church directory. Look for names of people that you haven't talked to in a while. And don't just call them to shoot the breeze. Call them and ask them how you can love them best in in our Lord Jesus in these days. Whether it's through prayer, whether it's through grocery shopping for them, if you feel comfortable doing that. Whatever it might be, look for a way to serve and to love one another and to encourage one another to build each other up in the faith. I encourage you to not only just call people and ask for prayer, but call people and share with them stories about how your faith has been challenged in these days. How your faith has grown in these days, despite the challenges that were around or that are around us and and share with people how you're seeing God on the move during COVID-19 because God has not stopped working. God has not gone into quarantine and God has not isolated himself from us. God is still on the move in our church and in our community. So look for those ways and then share those with each other so that everybody could be encouraged with one another with the ways that we're seeing God move. And then lastly, join in on our Wednesday night conversation. Join in on Zoom and, and pop in and tell us how we can pray for you. And we'll pray for you right there. And let's talk about the ways together that we're seeing God move through our church and through our individual lives in these days. And in this way, in this way, even during COVID-19, we can figure out ways to fellowship with one another. Ways to lift each other up into the presence of God and encourage each other in our growth and our spiritual faith. Let us come now and let us pray with one another as we commit to a new way of fellowship that has been forced upon us that maybe we don't even like, but that God still calls us into even in these days. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you would give to us creative ideas. Ideas beyond the, the three that I mentioned today, Lord, ideas that you would spark in the imaginations of the people who are on YouTube right now or the people who are in their cars right now with us, the people who will watch later. We pray that you would bring to our minds ways that we can in this day encourage one another and be unified together in serving one another and being generous and loving and forgiving towards one another. Lord, we pray that you would send your Spirit in a new way among our congregation, that our congregation would sense and would know that you are with us, and that, Lord, you would envelop us in your presence so that we would feel how you are moving even in these days, even in these difficulties. So, Lord, give us this eyesight to see how we can serve one another and still be safe and not spread this virus. We pray this trusting in you, amen. Friends, go out this week and find a way that you can encourage and lift someone in our congregation up deeper into the everlasting arms of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Find a way that you can show forgiveness, grace, mercy, love, deference, that you can do these things towards one another so that we might feel the bond of the unity of the Holy Spirit even as we are forced to be a little bit more physically distant from one another. Think of one person this week. This is my practical challenge. Think of one person this week that you can call and that you can pray for on the phone and encourage and love in some way as you talk with them this week. And now go in the unity of the Holy Spirit who has bonded us together in peace that we might live in everlasting fellowship with God and with each other forever and ever. Amen.